0: And it is good to get back uh, up here and to bring God's Word with you. I love, though, that we've got uh, people we can call on from time to time. Uh, Timbo a couple of weeks ago and Dr. Monty Patton uh, last week. Didn't he do a great job bringing a good word about margin? Wasn't that good? I hope. How many of y'all have tried to live with some margin in your life this week? You've tried to practice some of that, practice some rest? All right, well, hopefully you'll listen to what I say and you'll put it to use. (laughs) Uh, But I'm glad we get to jump into God's Word. If you want to grab your sermon notes and if you want to open your Bible to Genesis chapter 6... While you're turning there, you know, we're just a couple of weeks into the new year. And for those of you who make new year's resolutions, or maybe you set goals for yourself each year, or, you know, there's some things you want to to strive for, you know, uh, you're in one of three groups by now. A couple of weeks in, you're in one of three groups. One, you may be in the group where, hey, I've gotten started on that goal, I am making progress on it, I'm doing great. You may be in the group that's like, well, I hadn't got started yet, but I'm going to. I'm making a plan to get started. And you may be in the third group that's like, you know what? I've already scrapped those goals. Uh, I'll try again next year, pass the ice cream. You know, uh, you know I'm just going to be happy. You know, here's the deal whichever group you find yourself in, Don't give yourself, you know, don't beat yourself up. Especially if you're struggling or if you feel stalled, don't beat yourself up. Because the deal is, at least, at least you're trying, you have a desire to see things get better. You know, you have a hope for the possibilities of what could be. Whether you've reached those or you're trying to reach them or you're maybe feeling frustrated, at least you have a a desire that things could be different, things could be better. Well, just like we have to do that in our lives from time to time, it's healthy for us to do that in our church from time to time. And about a month ago, we got together with a group of leaders here in our church, and we just sat down to talk about the possibilities of what could be. We gathered together church staff, leadership team, connect group leaders, ministry leaders, and we, uh, we, we, we just got together, and in the, in the majority of our time, it was, uh, it was spent sharing with them the vision for 2024 and beyond, what I'm going to be sharing with you guys over the next few weeks. And... Um, but my favorite part of that time, my favorite part of that time that we spent together uh, was the last part of it, the last little section of it where we opened up discussion and we and we we shared ideas of what could be. We asked people, what do we want to celebrate? Over the next five or seven, maybe even 10 years, what do we want to celebrate as a church? What do we hope to see God do here at our church. You know, rather than just celebrating uh, milestones, and milestones are important, you know, it's important we hit those milestones in your life, you know, 50, 60, 70, 80. After 80, it's like 81, 82, 83, 84. But you know, when you start hitting those milestones, it's important because, you know, some like my grandfather said, you know, when he'd have a birthday, he said, I'm just glad I didn't miss one. Okay. And so the same with the church, you know, we want to celebrate those milestones, but we don't want to just celebrate that, right? We don't want to just celebrate in five or 10 years that we're still around, that we existed, that we didn't die. And by the way, churches dying is a very real thing. Thousands of churches close their doors every single year because they failed to to dream what could be. They failed to follow God's plan. They failed to to let God make changes in their church. And I'm so glad our church isn't like that. We've gone through change after change after change after change. Some of them really big, some of them really small. Some you may not have even noticed. But we've been continually going through changes. And so we asked asked uh, that group, you know, what do we want to celebrate? And we got all sorts of great ideas of what God might do through our church over over the next several years. Now, none of these are in stone. Say that with me. None of these are in stone. Okay, these are just ideas in that moment off the top of our heads, maybe even from the bottom of our hearts of some possibilities of what God might do. And I just want to share some of these with you. Again, these are not in stone. Don't don't go away from going, oh, we're going to do all of these things, okay, but these are Just some ideas and you know one of them was that our campus would be fully utilized on Sundays and Wednesdays that every room would be filled up we did this great renovation this great remodel we want to maximize this space we want to use it to its fullest capacity amen Amen. Um, You know, we, we talked about the possibility of two or three international missionaries being sent out from our church. We support international missionaries. We pray for international missionaries. How awesome would it be to God's glory, not ours, if we could send out. International missionaries. Uh, We talked about the idea of maybe three or four new churches getting started either from our church or in partnership with our church, with teams of people uh, from our church being a part of that. This church got started as a church plant over 60, I think it's 65 years ago. This church was a church plant at one time. At one time, this church didn't exist, but somebody had the idea to start a brand new church in this area to reach this community. And over the next 20, 25 years, this church was a part of church planting, starting uh, about a half a dozen churches. And then I think over our lifetime, we've started uh, maybe eight or nine or 10 more churches. Matter of fact, one of the churches that we started, Authentic Life, today is celebrating their ninth birthday. Can we give God praise? Now that's exciting. So we want to see more of that. Uh, we talked about maybe some community need or issue being addressed and our church being a big part of, of helping to move the needle on some community issue. Uh, the demographic of our church begin to match the demographic of our community. I think uh, the last time I looked, the population around our church was, uh, was 38% non-Caucasian. I think it was 38% Hispanic plus other ethnicities. As we look around our church, uh, demographic has changed a little bit. We've become a little bit less white and a little bit more tan a little bit more brown and that's good right right but we need to match if we're a church reaching our community we shouldn't be surprised that our community is coming to our church amen and so we want to see that happen and as a result of that it may mean that we may need to start another uh worship hour you know right now how many of y'all feel comfortable where you're at you're like man i got room you know, there's a little extra space. There's room for a few more people in here. How amazing would it be for us to be like elbow to elbow to elbow, and, and we have to start another service to make room for more people? Or maybe it's another service, service reaching a different uh, demographic, a different ethnicity, and a different language, you know, just ideas. Um, we, somebody shared the idea of 80% of people who are attending this church have found a place of serving whether it's once a week, once a month, however often it is. And then probably the biggest dream of all. Now, this is a God-sized dream. I don't know if you're ready for it. I don't know. It would have to be a miracle. But more children's ministry workers than we know what to do with. What we needed. Amen? Amen. All right. Now, like I said, these are just some ideas. Matter of fact, these are just our ideas. And they're good ideas. And we can come up with all sorts of ideas and, and plans and thoughts, but the reality is we have no idea what God's ideas are. We have no idea what God's plans are. We can't even think on the same level that God thinks on. If we're thinking about doing this, God says, I'm thinking about doing that. You say, oh yeah, well, we're, we're thinking about doing this, and God says, well, that's still just this compared to what I'm thinking about doing. God has plans. He has amazing plans. And the way God works is he works through his people He works through his church. He works through people who are ready to be used by him, who are ready for what he has planned. So with that in mind, we're going to jump into Genesis chapter 6 where we see God reveal a big plan and he used somebody who was ready to be used. And my hope for us is that we will be a people, and this is the title of today's message, that we will be a people who are ready for whatever God has planned. Let's read Genesis chapter 6. It's the story of Noah, a very familiar story I think probably to most of us. Beginning in verse 5 says, the Lord observed the extent of human wickedness on the earth and he saw that everything they thought or imagined was consistently and totally evil. So the Lord was sorry he'd ever made them and put them on the earth. It broke his heart And the Lord said, I will wipe this human race I've created from the face of the earth. Yes, and I will destroy every living thing, all the people, the large animals, the small animals that scurry along the ground, even the birds of the sky. I'm sorry I ever made them. Verse 8, but Noah found favor with the Lord. This is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man the only blameless person living on earth at the time, and he walked in close fellowship with God. Noah was the father of three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now God saw that the earth had become corrupt and was filled with violence. God observed this corruption in the world, for everyone on earth was corrupt. So God said to Noah, I've decided to destroy all living creatures, for they have filled the earth with violence. Yes, I will wipe them all out along with the earth. Build a large boat from cypress wood and waterproof it with tar inside and out. The con- then construct decks and stalls throughout its interior. Make the boat 450 feet long, 75 feet wide, and 45 feet high. Basically, a giant shoebox. You know, big rectangles. Is what it looked like. Leave an 18-inch opening below the roof all the way around the boat, and put a door on the side. And build three decks inside the boat: lower, middle, and upper. Look, I'm about to cover the earth with a flood that will destroy every living thing that breathes. Everything on earth will die, but I will confirm my covenant with you. So enter the boat, you and your wife and your sons and their wives, bring a pair of every kind of animal, male and female, into the boat with you to keep them alive during the flood. Pairs of every kind of bird and every kind of animal and every kind of small animal that scurries along the ground will come to you to be kept alive and be sure to take on board enough food for you and your family, and for all the animals. And verse twenty-two says, "So Noah did everything exactly as God commanded him." Now, like I said, this is probably a very familiar passage to you. You probably learned it if you grew up in church. You know, you you learned it as a kid, and and uh, you're children's ministry time maybe even it's on one it was painted on one of the walls maybe you had this as a nursery thing it's a pretty it's a pretty bleak story it's a pretty weird story to have in a nursery you know the 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 ark and the animals and you know it's like god's going to destroy everything you know but it's really more of a story of a promise is how we learned it right but what I want us to see here is, is what we can learn from this story to help us as believers in a church be ready for what, God's, or what God has planned. And so in order to do that, first, we need to understand, number one, if you take notes, if you write things down, this is a good time to be getting started if you hadn't, or if you have your outline out or pulled up on the Bible app, number one is this, God's plans are big plans. First thing we need to understand is that God's plans are big plans. You know, from time to time, God reveals his will about what he's going to do. He reveals that he's about to do something big. All throughout scripture, we see this. We see that God has a plan, and when he shares that plan, it's bigger than anything anybody was ever thinking of. You know, uh, you got the story of Moses, and God comes to him. Moses is just a shepherd, uh, just, you know, tending his sheep, and God says, I want to use you to rescue the the Hebrew people from slavery in Egypt and lead them across the wilderness. He says to Joshua after Moses dies, You know that Joshua, he's going to use him to conquer uh, and settle the promised land. He's going to lead the Hebrew people into the promised land to defeat all the nations before him and and take possession of it. He says to David that he's going to take him from being just a a shepherd boy, the youngest in his family and the the one who was overlooked. He's going to take him from being shepherd boy to king. He, He says to Solomon, David's son, that he's going to build the temple, the house of God, the place where God will be worshiped by his people. And then later on, when God's people rebel and, and are disobedient and God sends them away to exile after a period of time, he, God reveals His plan to, uh, to, to the prophets Ezra and Nehemiah, and says that He wants to use them to, to rebuild the uh, the temple in Jerusalem and to rebuild the wall around Jerusalem, monumental tasks. We get to the New Testament, and God says to Mary and Joseph that they are going to be the parents of Jesus. They're going to be the parents of the Son of God. They're going to be the ones to, to usher in Uh, The 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 Messiah, the long-awaited Savior of Israel, and really the Savior of the world. Uh, Jesus says to the twelve apostles, "Leave everything that you have, leave everything you're doing, and follow me." And then they do that. And later on, he says, "Now you're going to take the gospel into all the world." Some some of these guys had never left Judea, and Jesus says, "You're taking the gospel into all the world." And then. As we studied recently, as we got through Acts, we studied the story of of Saul, uh, also known as Paul, where Jesus appears to him and says, stop killing Christians. Okay, stop persecuting the church and instead, don't just stop doing that. I'm going to do a major shift in your life and you are now going to go and proclaim the gospel to kings and to rulers and you're going to take the good news to where it's not been heard all around the world to to the Gentiles. And then, of course, we have here in our story, God tells Noah that he is going to do something big. Listen again to verse 17 through 19. God says, look, I'm about to cover the earth with a flood that will destroy every living thing that breathes. Everything on earth will die, but I will confirm my covenant with you. So enter the boat, you and your wife and your sons and their wives, bring a pair of every kind of animal, male and female, into the boat with you to keep them alive during the flood. God revealed that he was gonna do something that had never been done before. He was about to flood the earth. He was about to destroy everything on earth to wipe out creation except for noah and his family and the in the animals he told noah to do something that that, that no one had ever dreamed of doing before I mean, you know build an entire build an enormous ark build an enormous boat and fill it with every kind of animal on the earth and then go and live on that boat uh with your family and then when all that's over start over and repopulate the earth can you just imagine what was going through noah's mind when, when God shares this big plan, you're going to do what? You want me to do what? I have to build a what? Where am I going to find the wood? Where's, where am I going to get the blueprints? I've never built a boat like this before. How are the animals going to, what am I going to do with the lions to keep them from eating? You know, the, the rabbits, you know, I mean, how is this all going to work out? People are going to think I'm nuts. And the same thing that Noah probably had to deal with, and the same thing that a lot of people throughout those scriptures had to deal with, you and I had to deal with those same issues. When God reveals He's going to do something big in our lives, when God reveals His plans to us, it is very normal for us to have questions. It's very normal for us to deal with doubts. It's very normal for us to be held back by fears to immediately think of the practical concerns, and even try to figure out the logistics on our own, like, thank you, God, I'll take it from here, and I'll come back to you when I run into problems. Can I just tell you that, that while all of those things, those fears and doubts and worries and concerns, and all those are normal and natural responses, can I just remind you that we don't serve a natural God, we serve a supernatural God. And God has big plans and God, when he reveals his plans, you can, you can believe, you can believe that he has already thought through everything and he has a plan to overcome every obstacle. God will never say about the obstacles and the challenges that you and I bring to him. Wow. I didn't think about that. Oh my goodness. I am so glad you brought that up. I am so thankful. I have your wisdom and your counsel to help me with this because that, that completely escaped my thinking. God is a big God, and he has big plans, and part of his plans include how to bring about his plans. Our part is to trust him and to be ready to be used by him, which brings us to number two. God looks for someone who's ready to join him in his plans. God's plans are big plans, and he looks for someone to join him Someone who is ready to join Him in His plans. Henry Blackaby, in his uh, book, Experiencing God, he teaches that God doesn't tell us to go out and do something for Him. God doesn't tell us to go try our best to accomplish what we think He wants us to do. Instead, God reveals that He's already at work, and He invites us to join Him in what He's doing by adjusting our lives and stepping forward in faith. In other words, God is at work, and he's looking for people who are ready to say yes to him, and and that's what we see in this story. He's looking for people who are ready to join him in his plans. Genesis 6, 8 through 10, it says, But Noah found favor with the Lord. This is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man, the only blameless person living on the earth at the time. I know some of y'all think that about yourselves, but okay. Uh, And he walked in close fellowship with God. Noah was the father of three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Here's the deal. I read this just the other day. Uh, going through one of these, you know, read through the Bible plans. I don't know if you do that or not, if you're doing a, uh, if you made it a goal to try to read through the Bible in a year. Some of y'all, I've talked to some people, it's like, hey, I'm on, my, I'm on year three of reading through the Bible in one year. I'm almost done. You know, praise God, at least you're trying, right? You know, but um, I, I'm, I'm starting in on a plan, and I read, I read uh, chapter six, and it just jumped out at me that Noah wasn't looking for God to do something big in his life. Noah was just a dude just a dude trying to walk with God, trying to raise a family and get them to walk with God. But God saw that he was exactly the right kind of person he could use. The Bible says that Noah was a righteous man. You know, to be righteous means to do what is right in God's eyes. You are right as you should be. That's what it means to be righteous. And that's who Noah was. He was living right with God. He was living in obedience to God's instructions. It also says that Noah was blameless, uh, meaning not that he was perfect. Okay, nobody's perfect, but meaning that no one could bring an accusation against him. If he did wrong somebody, if he did make a mistake, if he did get things, you know, out of sorts with somebody, he was the kind of guy who was a man of integrity, and he would go and make things right. You're going to get things wrong from time to time between you and God. Amen? The deal is, what do you do about it? Do you go and make things right between you and God? Do you ask forgiveness and say, Lord, I'm sorry, I know you forgive me, but I just confess that sin, and I want to begin to walk with you again. And the same thing is true with you and others, okay? When things are out of sorts between you and others, the way that you live a blameless life is that you go and you ask for forgiveness or you offer forgiveness where it needs to be, and then nobody can hold anything against you. If they say, well, you remember that thing you did? You say, oh, the thing I asked forgiveness for, the thing I apologized for, the thing that you said was okay, that's in the past, right? Right? All right. All right. And so then you're blameless. There's no, there's no, there's no guilt because you've confessed and asked for forgiveness. That's what, okay, that was a lot on that. But, anyways, because um, sometimes we think we've got to be perfect and we don't and we can't. And so Noah was righteous, Noah was blameless, and Noah walked in close relationship with God. I love what some of the things I read about Noah this week. It said that Noah's godly character stood in stark contrast to the rampant wickedness around him. Did you catch what uh, chapter what verse 5 said? It says every thought every thought and uh, and everything that people thought or imagined was constantly wicked and evil. It wasn't just that they were doing evil, it's that they were thinking evil all the time. But yet Noah Noah walked in close relationship with God. By all accounts, Noah did not conform to the sinfulness around him. Instead, he lived as an exception. He lived as an example. Guys, if you're a believer, if you're a Christ follower, you and I, I'm a Christ follower, so you and I, our lives are to be examples. Our lives are to be exceptions to the culture around us. People ought to be able to look at our lives and say, that's what a Jesus follower looks like. That person is an exceptional person. And that's who God is looking for. God is looking for people and he's looking for a church that he can use. He's looking for people who are ready to join him. He's looking for people who are three things. Number one, it's there in your outline, the little bullet points uh, under point number two. He's looking for people who are humble. He's looking for people who will say, God, whatever's going to happen, you're going to have to do it. I'm going to be obedient to you. I'm going to say yes to you. I'm ready to be used by you, but it's you who are, who's going to have to do it. You're going to do a big thing, and it's going to be a you thing, and we're just going to join you where you're working. Humble. Second is available. You know, the thing that holds a lot of people back from being used by God is their fear that they don't have what it takes. I bet if I asked, do you think you have what it takes, a bunch of hands would, sh- would, would shoot up. And the ones that didn't, you, you're struggling with pride, so you don't have what it takes, so you just put your hand up, Right? Okay. Uh, but here's the deal. The, the, they, people question their ability. Listen, your best ability is your availability. Let me say that again. Your best ability is your availability. So, God's looking for people who are humble, people who are available, and finally, people who are usable, like we talked about with Noah, people who are walking with God. It doesn't mean you have to be perfect. Rick Warren says, if God only used perfect people, nothing would get done. But he's looking for people who are humble, available, and usable, walking with him. Now, here's the cool thing. Number three, if, if we understand that God has big plans and we understand that God's looking for people who are ready to be used, then it just comes to our response to that. What are we gonna do? Number three, those who say yes to God get to see him do amazing things. Those who say yes to God yes to God's plans, yes to God's will, get to see him do amazing things. I love verse 22. So Noah did everything exactly as God commanded him. Noah did everything exactly as God commanded him. Noah was obedient in the face of a huge task. Like I said, nothing like this had ever been done before. Noah didn't have all the information, but he said yes to God. Noah didn't know how long he was going to be on the boat. How long was Noah on the boat? One, two, three, answer. Forty days? Forty nights? Longer? A year. A year on a boat with a bunch of smelly animals. A year on a boat stuck with your family. Come on. We just got through Thanksgiving and Christmas. We're like, all right, thanks. Come back next year, right? Noah was there. was no comeback next year. It's like, I'll see you in the morning, you know. And they didn't have deodorant back then. All right, wise. all right. He didn't have all the info, but he said yes. He didn't know how long he was going to be on the boat, but he said yes to God. He didn't know what the world was going to be like after the flood, but he said yes to God. Because Noah said yes to God, he got to be a part of God's big plan. He got to see God do something incredible. Next week, we're going to start unpacking the vision. We're going to start unpacking what we've talked about with leadership, what we talked about with our staff, what what God's been uh, cooking in our kitchen, basically. And I'm going to tell you up front, it's not a vision about all these amazing things that our church is going to do. I believe God's going to do amazing things at this church, but it's going to be God who does them. It's really not a vision about what we're going to do, it's a vision about who we're going to be. And as you hear it, a lot of it's going to sound very familiar, and it's going to, it, it, what it is is it's a packaging together of a lot of stuff that we've been talking about, and it's putting it in one place to say, guys, this is what we're committing to, this is who God has shaped us to be, now let's lean into that and go with that. It's a commitment to be a people who are ready to be used by God. And so the question is, will we say yes to God? Will we say yes to God's plans? Will we say yes before he even reveals his plans? Because the truth is, we have no idea what God has in store. One of my favorite verses is 1 Corinthians 2 9, where scripture says, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. So, will we say yes to God? Will you say yes to God? Will you say yes to being who God wants you to be? Will we be a church who's ready for what God has planned? Let's pray. As our worship team comes up, I just invite you to join us in this time of prayer, letting the the Word of God that that we have talked about and prayed over and, and, and dug into just continue to sink into your heart, letting the Holy Spirit just continue to speak to you in these moments. Heavenly Father, I pray that we would be a people who would say yes to you. I pray that we would not come to you with our plans and our ideas and our agendas and all the great things we think we can do, but rather, God, I pray that that you would get us into an attitude and a posture of just saying yes to God. Matter of fact, right there where you are, would you just quietly where you are, just practice saying that word, yes, yes. Let it come from your heart, and then respond to him as he leads. In Christ's name, we pray, amen. Hey, listen, as we sing this song, it's called, I Surrender All, and I wonder, what do you need to surrender to God today? Some today, your surrender may just say, God, I'm willing to say yes, and I'm going to trust you. I don't know what's coming, but my yes is on the table. I trust you, God. Some of you, your yes is actually a no. God, I need to say no to some stuff that I've been into, no to some stuff that I've been doing, no to some habits and some sins so that I can fully say yes to you. Maybe your yes today is saying yes to Jesus to say, I trust Jesus as my Savior. I place my faith in him. And I'm ready to become a Christ follower. I may not understand everything that that involves, but I know this. I'm done living my life with me in charge. I'm ready to place my faith in Jesus.